Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. 714 on this Monday morning, second to last day of February is going to be hot. See, the deal with the oak leaves is supposed to be this. They fall in the spring. We pick them up when it's not miserably hot outside like summertime, right? But when it's 84 degrees, well, that deal has been breached, and I'm picking up oak leaves. The highs of 84 today, tomorrow, Wednesday, Thursday. Then a little cool spurt on Friday, highs of 70 then. And Saturday and Sunday should be splendid. Highs of 66 both days. Aaron Bendeley joins us now, Vice President for Policy Strategy at the Pelican Institute. Good morning, Aaron. How are you? Good morning, Tommy. I'm great. And you? Good. Thanks for taking the time with us. Hope you got some rest this weekend. Did you? I did. You know, it's the first day back at, at a normal week for us here in Louisiana. So everybody got got a break last week. My family got to take a little short mini vacation. So it's it's back to normal today. You must not have oak trees if you got some rest. <laughs> oh, I have them. I, okay. I, I have, I have, so you I've know. Got work to do this week. All right. Let's talk about the uh, governor's budget. You say it's the Pelican Institute thinks it is irresponsible. Is that accurate? We, we certainly think that that a more responsible approach could have been taken, you know, especially given what the economists and the experts are telling us we have coming up in the next few years, which is a pretty significant reduction in state revenue. Um, you know, it really calls into question uh, some of the spending increases that have been proposed in this budget and how we're going to pay for it in the long run. So explain, if you will, in detail, because this is kind of hard to follow over the radio if you don't have the documents in front of you. Sure. So the state has a, a little over $2.2 billion and extra money uh, to, to go around to, to meet the expenses of state government. That comes from a combination of surplus money from the past fiscal year, what they call excess revenue, which is more money than the state uh, planned uh, to take in that came in this year, and an, in, an anticipated increase for the next fiscal year. So that adds up to, like I said, just over $2.2 billion in extra money, uh, which seems as though, you know, the state is flush with cash. And and it is for now. Uh, But what a lot of people aren't aware of is in the next few years, that revenue is going to go down. Uh, That's been forecasted for a few years now. The state had implemented a temporary increase to the state sales tax several years ago. We've had several years to plan for this, knowing that that's not going to be permanent, or at least that wasn't the original plan. That, with the combination of some other transportation funds that have been dedicated that will begin in the next few years, and just what we know about where the economy is headed, that tells us that this money isn't here forever, and we have to begin planning for that right now. Um, And it doesn't appear, at least in this budget proposal, um, that that level of careful planning is there, and we're hopeful that lawmakers will be asking some of these tough questions and really use some restraint to make sure that we don't get ourselves into another mess where we truly face what people call a fiscal cliff here in a few years and leave taxpayers with the bill. So what does the governor want to spend money on that you think he shouldn't, and what should he do instead? 
Well, when he presented the budget to the legislature last week, there were a number of questions uh, that lawmakers had pretty quickly um, around several items. And, and these aren't just one-time expenses using one-time dollars. There, there are some, some good investments that he is proposing to make in some targeted areas. But it's, it's those recurring expenses that raised a, a lot of questions, things like increasing just the overall size of state government, adding 112 new employees to state government, pay raises, not only to raise the minimum wage for state workers, but also increasing the amount of pay supplements for local government employees. That's something that the state has been in the business of doing for years uh, funding pay increases for local employees, whether that's teachers, firefighters, police, registrar of voters. Um, these all are things that commit the state to future expenses, not just for this year. Uh, faculty increases as well. Um, that's not to say that all these people don't work hard and, and deserve to be fairly compensated, but it does raise the question of who should bear the responsibility for that expense and, and what does that mean in the out years? Because, again, these are not one-time expenses. This is committing the state for ongoing expenses in the future uh, that someone's going to have to pay for. Who should bear the responsibility, meaning local and municipal governments as opposed to state government? Absolutely. You know, Louisiana pays about a billion dollars a year in funding at least a portion of the salary of local government employees. That's been a tradition for a long time in Louisiana, uh, back back to the Huey Long days where, where the locals basically come to Baton Rouge to, to, to ask for, for their slice of the pie, to ask for a portion of, of funds. Um, and that's just become political tradition here in our state. But it is something that over time becomes very costly. And especially, um, you know, in an election year, it's, it's a very popular thing for politicians to be able to go home and and tell their, their local leaders that they've brought additional funds home. But all of these things add to the size of the state budget that, again, when you're looking over, um, you know, over the forecast over the next few years and you're seeing that that revenue, which is the amount of tax dollars that the state collects, that's projected to decrease pretty significantly. Someone has to make up those expenses when you make those commitments um, then, you know, what you do is you create that expectation that that's going to be funded. And if it doesn't, then you're in a situation where then everyone's talking about cuts. Um, so we've got to be we've got to be very thoughtful in planning for these things. They may sound politically popular. Um, it may sound like the state has the money to do it now. But these are ongoing commitments that are very costly. And let me take a break. We'll pick it up here. We come back. We're talking to Aaron Bendeley, Vice President for Policy and Strategy at the Pelican Institute, about the budget that Governor Edwards has put forth. It is an election year, so I don't know how um, steadfast the legislature is going to be because they all want to get reelected, right? I mean, that's a fact of life. So we'll talk about it and what the Pelican Institute would like to see the governor do or like to see the legislature do to fend off this so-called fiscal cliff, but yet still, I guess, improve education, get the streets fixed, uh, the highways fixed in the state, et cetera, because there are needs there. And, of course, inflation has driven the cost of all of that up. So it is a mixed bag. We'll find out when we come back. It is 721 now. That's time for traffic on WWL. All right, 725, Tommy Tucker, WWL, talking to Aaron Bendeley, Vice President for Policy and Strategy at the Pelican Institute, talking about the budget that the governor put forward and the looming fiscal cliff in two years if nothing's done about it. So, Aaron, I'm just 
trying to look at this from a, from a uh, I don't know from a layman's viewpoint. Okay, so we're 49th in education, 50th in education. The roads suck. You know the problems Louisiana has. What would be a better way for the governor or for the legislature? to either appropriate money or how, how do we get stuck from where we are because we're not exactly leading the nation in a lot of things, right? You're absolutely right. We, we definitely have needs. Um, but I think the question that lawmakers have to ask is, will spending address those needs? And, and what's the plan behind that spending? Mm-hmm. If you just throw money at things, we, we, we know that that doesn't always work. I mean, we have spent very well for, for several years. Uh, we have grown our budget back from fiscal year 17. We had a state budget of $31 billion, and we're at about $50 billion now. And what do we have to show for it? You said it. We still have roads that are not fixed. We still have people in need of services. We still have educational outcomes that are nowhere close to what we want for them to be, for our kids to be competitive. We have to be asking, what are we getting? What's the return for those investments of dollars? And in some cases, you know, definitely for for infrastructure projects, for transportation, things like that, those dollars go a long way. Um, Other issues, like you said, in education, we spend per student one of the highest amounts in the southeast region and get some lower outcomes. So there's some other things that need to be considered there, some questions of, you know, what programming, what leadership is being provided, what are we doing to get for those dollars, do we have the right plan And that's the process and the lens through which we hope lawmakers will consider this budget over the next few months. You know, the legislative session starts April 10th. It goes through June 8th. There will be a series of committee hearings in the House and in the Senate to pour over the governor's budget and to ask tough questions. And and they should ask tough, tough questions. What are we going to get for these dollars? How are these programs working? What are the outcomes that we're seeing for these investments? And where we're not seeing those outcomes improve, there should be a question about whether those programs continue to get funded in the budget. That's the process that we need to make sure that we are making smart investments. Um, and and in, in addition to addressing the looming fiscal cliffs and the reductions in revenue that the state will have, we just need to be prudent, just like any Louisiana family would be, with their available dollars to make sure that we're going to... I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I'm here every day, Aaron. I want to hear you. <laughs> yeah, to make sure that we're getting those outcomes so, uh, because it's important. Well, I was going to talk about education because it's very important to me, and, I, and it's important to the future of the state and the people that live here. So is it the Pelican Institute's view that maybe we are spending enough? Not that you can ever spend enough, I guess, on education, and maybe the results are not there. Does that go to the superintendent? Who who ultimately is responsible? Somebody's got to be responsible for this. It seems, Aaron, like we've tr- morphed in a society from holding people responsible to calling it the blame game. And it's not the blame game. It's who's responsible for what, right? So how do we you're fix education? You're absolutely right. Um, there's certainly responsibility that lies with the state. You know, we have a state board of elementary and secondary education. We've got a state department of education. But the work really gets done at the local level, where we have school districts that are led by local superintendents and local school boards. At the end of the day, they largely make the decisions of where those dollars are spent, whether it's spent in the classroom, whether it's spent at the district level on administration, whether it's meant on things that we know are directly connected to the needs that our kids have. You know, if kids struggling to read, are they putting money into tutoring and intervention services and reading specialists? Or are they spending money on, you know, refurbishing the the high school stadium? I mean, we've seen some of these stories of how 
COVID recovery dollars are being used or not used to really target the needs that our kids have. Uh, I would ask the same question about teacher pay. I mean, we all want our teachers uh, to be fairly compensated for the hard work that they do. Uh, Louisiana is not at the SREB, Southern Regional Education Board, average for teacher pay, uh, but, but we're very close. I mean, we're higher than Mississippi. We're higher than Arkansas. Um, our, our average teacher salary is higher than Florida. Uh, but again, we've got to remember that these are local employees. We don't even ask the question at the state level of what pay raises are being given to teachers and support workers in our schools at the local level. We don't even collect that information to then figure out, is there a need on top of that that the state needs to supplement? So these are important questions that need to be asked, important information that needs to really closely be analyzed. That's, again, the work that we hope that the legislature will do in arriving at a responsible budget that is truly sustainable. Aaron, thank you so much for your time, and I hope we talk to you again soon, okay? Aaron Bendeley, Vice President for Policy and Strategy at the Pelican Institute. I'm sure we will. When we come back, it's Monday Morning Markets with Mark Rosa, President and CEO of Jefferson Financial Federal Credit Union. We'll take a look at the week ahead on Wall Street. Tommy Tucker, WWL. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.